0: So let's begin the recording. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you everybody for attending over Zoom. And we are now retur- returning the year in person in the shul. If you hear an echo, that's why. Um, we are in the Siddur. We're following the Seder HaTefilat to study the Tefilat of Shabbat. We just finished discussing the Haftarah and the Brachot of the Haftarah last week. What the source was, how the Brachot of the Haftarah evolved from Earlier forms of the haftarah of the of those brachot into later forms of those brachot, uh, we discussed some of the insertions like u kum purkan uh, Hanotin hanoten tishuah Lachim. So, we discussed the closing of the section known as kriyat torah of the Shabbat morning services, the Shabbat shachrit. Now. In the Sidur, if you were to move on, and there wasn't an entire section dedicated to Zemirot or Pizmonim, the next section of the Sidur would technically be the Musaf. In order to begin speaking about the Musaf, though, um, there is there are two parts of the Sidur which are still in the section of the Kriyat torah that we have to discuss, which pertain to the Shabbat, and those are Ashrei and Rizvola David, Havu Hashem B'nei Elim. I'm sorry. So, the first thing we're going to discuss is Ashrei and many Rishonim in their Sidurim and on their commentaries to the Sidor, or Halacha, in, in, in different uh, areas of the post-game, mention this practice. To say Ashrei before we return the Aaron to the Aaron Kodesh. Sorry, the the Torah to the Aaron Kodesh. Now, <clears throat> the question is first of all why, and the second question is what is it attached to. So, the why question is a question I saw absolutely zero answers to. Nobody addresses directly why we put the Ashrei. Uh, okay, no one... Uh, sorry, let's put it this way. Nobody answers fully why we say Ashrei before returning this, the Torah to the Aaron Kodesh. Now, in the Siddur of the Hasidah Ashkenaz, he says explicitly that it's an introduction to Musaf, meaning that this Ashrei is really a part of Musaf. And just like our Simlai says in Baruchot in the Flamed Beit, Let me actually pull that up. It's a famous... Well, this is a a Gemara that we've seen quite a few times. There's a D'rasha from Rabbi Simlai, all the way at the bottom of Daflam ad Beit Amor in, in Brachot, where it says, "Darash Rabbi Simlai, Le'olam yisader adam shevachol shel kadosh Baruch Hu, v'achar That a person, before he prays, has to first lay out a praise of Hashem. How do we know this from the Pasuk? Shenei I'm sorry. The Moshe Rabbeinu said, and I entreated Hashem at that time, implored Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu in Parashat says of Hashem that you showed me your greatness and your mighty hand and who is like you and the, uh, the God. And then finally, afterwards, it says. And Moshe Rabbeinu asks Hashem to please see the good land, which is Eretz Yisrael. So we see that before a prayer, we have to put a praise, a shvach, And just like in Shachrit, we have Pesuch and then we have the, the, the section of petition, and by Mincha we put Ashrei first, so too by Musaf, we put Ashrei first. But this begs the question, if you're putting Ashrei before Musaf, why do you say it before we return the Sefer Torah? What does it have to do with the Sefer Torah? Why wouldn't you say it after you put the Sefer Torah away? And again, this is one of those, answer, those questions that I did not find a clear answer to because none of the Rishonim really discussed this topic uh, fully. Now, this is the reason to attach it to Musaf. However, you will find in some Sidurim that they instead attach it to Shachrit. And this is really just a silly thing that the Ameha Aretz, who are printers, will decide. So in some Siddurim, you take out whether they're Ashkenaz, Svaradi, Chabad, whatever. On the title of the page, right, today we're rich, so we have plenty of ink to, 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 you know, to to spare. And every page has a title. It has a page number and a title. So some Siddurim on Ashrei will title the page Shachrit Shel Shabbat. And some pages will title it Musaf Shel Shabbat because of their different opinions about where Ashrei is attached to. Now, why would... This ashray be a part of Shachrit. Now, if you think about it, there is probably only one practical difference as to whether or not it's part of Shachrit or part of Musaf, and that is if somebody is in Oness, or a Tzibur is in Oness. They are, uh, you know, they they have a an accident or a, some sort of uh, extenuating circumstances where they're not able to pray Musaf right after Shachrit. Let's say you have a hatzalah member. He gets a call. He dashes out. Um, he dashes out right after Shachri, right after kriyat haTorah, and he doesn't pray musaf with the Tzibor. Now he wants to pray musaf. What should he do? Does he have to say asrei or not? If the asrei is part of musaf, he should say it. If the asrei is not part of the musaf, perhaps he could he could just begin with the shmonasrei or shuvah Monach, or whatever he wants to begin with. So that would be a practical nafgamina, a practical difference uh, lahalacha. Now, if it were a part of Shachrit, then it would, might make more sense why we put it before the returning of the Sefer Torah, because that was a, originally the practice that of many Jews that they would say Asheh during the weekday, for example, before putting away uh, the Sefer Torah. This was probably out of respect for Ubalatzion and other reasons that, that um, for Ashe Ubalatzion, you wanted everybody to stay until the end. So for various different reasons, they would say Ashi val before putting the Sefer Torah back, and therefore it found its place before the, uh, the returning of the Sefer Torah to the Ark. So if Asherah extends the Shachrit, of the, uh, the Shachrit of Shabbat, if Asherah is the closing of the Shachrit of, the, of Shabbat, then it would make sense why it was before the returning of the Torah to the of Kodesh. Now, let's zoom out for a second. This is material we've covered before. Why in the world do we say Ashrei Yosveve Techa after the after the of the weekday? Why do we say Ashrei uh, twice in uh, on a weekday Shachrit? Uh, so most people will be familiar with the Gemara in Brachot. The Gemara says, If you look in the Vilna edition. It'll say, "Kol ha'Omer tila ledavid gimul pamim b'chol yom. Whoever says tila ledavid three times every day, mufthach lo who ben haolam he is guaranteed that he will be a ben haolam We've discussed reasons for this previously. But if you stop and think about that, three times a day, you would have once before Shemona well, right, Esrei, once in the Pesuch Dizimra, once by Mincha, where's the third one? It'd have to be, we would have to add it to uh, shachrit, and therefore we add it to uh, after Shachrit. Some have asked, why don't you put it by Arvit? Why don't we say Ashre by Arvit? So the Rishonim say, no, we don't put Ashre by Arvit because it's a Rishut. We didn't want to extend the tefillah too long, so we don't put Ashrei by, by Arvit. But um, we do put Asheri after uh, the Shachrit uh, tefillah. However, this simple reading of the... Gemara uh, in in Brachot is actually mistaken, because the actual Girsa, the actual version of the Gemara Brachot, is a mistake. In the Vilna editions, they print Kol Tilale David Gimel Pamin but the Shalosh Pamin part doesn't actually belong there. It was put in by later printers based on the later Minhag. The proof we have for this is an explicit responsa. Uh, teshuvah from Rav Natronay Gaon. Rav Natronay Gaon was, was the head of the academy in Pumpedita in in Bavel in uh, roughly the 9th century. And he refielded a question regarding saying Yancha Shembiom and Uvala He did not, uh, in the versions of the Teshuvah we have, we don't have explicitly what the question was. However, he does issue a response to the question about saying or possibly even ashray, after the shachrit of the weekday. And he says as follows, They don't say two or three times. From the Gemara we have in Brachot, this is a Gaon speaking, this is someone who knew Shas by by heart, and he didn't even have to write down the shas. He says our girsan the Gemara, the Babylonian Girsah, is that it doesn't say three, two times three times. You could even say it once. Ella, what happened? Why do we say ashrei after shachrit of the weekday? What's the history? Chachamim ha'achronim, the later uh, scholars, hitkinu yarot lomar The later sages. Made a by later he must mean after the time of the Amoraim that we should say it once by Sukadezemra, once by before Ovalesion, and once by Mincha. Why? Shema Yipashu be Pamoshtayim. Perhaps the Jewish people are going to make a mistake. Uh, perhaps the the people in the cities are going to get too busy. They're going to not focus. They're going to rush out of shul. Too, they're going to rush through tefillah too quickly, and they're not going to have the full kavana of. They're not going to have the full kavanah for Asher Yoshev Therefore, the Chachamim, uh, Hachronim made this Takana to say Shachri three times a day in order so that you should have to make sure So they should at least have one Ashrei in their hands. And this harkens back to the Gemaras mentioning that the most vital pasuk is harazon. that a person needs to have kavanah in that pasuk at least once a day. It's very important for a person to say Asher Yoshev with kavanah one time a day. And he says, Not because you have to say it three times. And this is why I'm reading this to you explicitly. What's the proof that we don't have to say Ashrei three times a day? On Shabbat, there is no in Shachrit. And we only say Ashrei twice. Once by Shachrit and once by Mincha. So it's clear from the Tshuva of Renat that in the Shivot in Babel, they never said Ashre on Shabbat after Shachrit. In his time, the ninth century, there was no Ashre said at all. So there's different um, gears out to this, but the correct way to read this is that in the yeshivot of Bavel, we did not, we do not say in the weekday Asher Ena enanu amrim. This is the correct koresa. But however, in Beit Rabbeinu, this is the yeshiva of Rav. The yeshiva of Rav did say um, uh, what's it called? The yeshiva of Rav, which is like there are there are three main yeshivot in Bavel. There's a, it depends what century it was in. There was Sura, Pampedita, Nahar and there was Beit Benu Shem Bavel, which I believe was in Sura. And this small Beta midrash, which descended from the disciples of Rav, of um, Abba Aricha, he uh, their, their uh, customs were a little bit different. And they, according to this Teshuvah, they did have the minhag to say Asher uh, after Shachrit of the weekday. In the time of the Geonim, there were different customs. Some people would say Ashrei in the morning after Shachrit, and some people would say Alam HaShem Yom Sara. And again, uh, Shabbat is a raya that we only say. We only, on Shabbat, you only say it twice, therefore, we know you don't have to say it three times, and there's no requirement to say Ashrei after the weekday Shachrit. This is a very important teshuvah from Rabbinatur Naigaon, which sheds a lot of light on the history of the development of saying Ashrei in the morning after Shimon Esrei. So, as we can see, there were various customs in the time of the Gonim. Some shul said Ashrei, some said Lam Naseach Yom Sara, and eventually the Minhag settled that people would say both, and therefore in the Shachit of the weekday today, we have both. We have Ashrei and we have Lam Naseach Mizbaroda Devideyan Chashem Yom Sara because of these early uh, differences in the Minhagim of the Yeshivot of Babel. However, explicitly here, none of the Yeshivot of Bavel would say Asher uh, after Shachrit of the Shabbat. So the, this begs the question as to when did this practice develop? And how early do we find uh, how early do we find Tzidurim, which mentioned this practice? So if you look in the Seder of Amram, which is another geonic uh, work of Tefillah, it's not there. If you look in the Siddur of Sadiagaon, oh, and it's also not there. So already by the 9th century, by the end of the 9th century, definitely not there. Um, if you look in the Rambam, I did not see it. Uh, it could be there, but I did not see it. Uh, you could look in the Vitri and in the Sidurim of the Hasid Ashkenaz, and over there, it's already there. So they say that we have to say Ashrei after, this is roughly the 10th and 11th century, that one should say Ashrei after the Shabbat Shachit. You find this also, if I'm remembering correctly, in the Orchot Chaim. Uh, the Seferi team doesn't mention it, but the Abu Duraham does mention it. The Abu Durham lived in approximately the 14th century. But interestingly, interestingly, the Tor, who lived a little bit before the Abu Duraham, does not mention it. He does not say that in Spain they did this, but the Abu Duraham does. So it seems that somewhere between the year 1000 and the year uh, 1300, there was a period where this minhag slowly slowly became universal it wasn't always universal originally it was uh most likely just Ashkenaz and then eventually it spread out to more communities and more communities began saying Ashrei before returning the Torah to the Aaron Kodesh so roughly a period of 300 years and and eventually this became the minhag everywhere okay the if you look at the, we're here in the Moroccan shul. So what will happen is, there's one more minhag I wanted to cover, which I didn't cover last week. When you return the Sefer Torah to, before, right before Musaf, when we return the Sefer Torah, they will bring, they will pick up the Torah off of that teva, right behind me. They'll stand up, and an adult will hold it, and then all the kids will come to this bimah here, all the children will come. They'll put their hands on the Sefer Torah and they'll sing Yim locha Hashem yich ziyon ha-leluka. And then everybody would chants after them, Yim locha Hashem yich ziyon ha-leluka, using the same tune. So I was wondering where this came from. The earliest source from the Moroccan seedwear that I could find was the Nitivotamarav, which is really pretty recent, uh, which brings this custom. But in the Rishonim they already say that there were menhagim of saying pesukim Fuzarim, like different various pesukim after while, while we were turning the Sefer Torah to the Aron Kodesh, and in the Sefer Ha'ITim, I believe it is, yeah, on page 280, the Sefer Ha'itim mentions that people would say Yimloch lo lo So definitely, this pasuk has been said for at least seven eight hundred years. If they had this specific minhag to do it with the kids, that I don't know. But this minhag defin- of saying this pasuk is definitely old. I don't know. Where the Minhag or the custom of involving the children comes from, it probably just naturally evolved because it's a really beautiful thing. And um, and it remained the custom in Morocco and till today here in America. Now, as we return the to Sefer Torah, many shuls who say HaVul Hashem Elim. The Abu Dharam explains that this uh this parak of Tilim refers to Matan Torah. About the power of Hashem that was manifest during Matan Torah, and therefore it's appropriate to say while we're returning the Sefer Torah to the Aaron Kodesh. And the Torah adds that the um, the tour adds that this this uh, perek of Tiyelim also mentions the Sheva Kolot, the seven uh, voices uh, that that came from Shemayim, and we celebrate the Sheva Kolot on Shabbat. There are seven kolot of Shemaim, which come out and are manifest on Shabbat, and therefore, Mizmor Vidhavu Lashem is an appropriate parak to say for returning the Sefer Torah on Shabbat specifically. All right, one little thing before we begin the Musaf is Shuvah Limonach, right? I don't have it. Ma Mavayach, right? So I don't have the language in front of me, uh, unfortunately. But the Sfaradim will say this paragraph. And it says, basically, a return to your heavenly abode, to the place of your Shekhinah. Uh, I will, for the Ashkenazi people listening, I will try to pull this up. Hold up. Because it's not the same as the Uvnucho that you're you're probably familiar with. Let's see. Sidur Svaradi, Shabbat. I'm just connected to my headphones so I can't go to the shelf, which would be the easy way to do this, of course. Let's see, Shabbat, Shachit, ha'chazat, Ashrei. Okay. Shuvah limonach, u'schon, vebeit ma'avayach, ki kol peh vekol ashon yitinu, hod vehadar lemachutach, for all uh, mouths and and, and uh, tongues, give uh, give radiance and splendor to your uh, sovereignty So those two second parts, uvinucho and hashivenu, those are both pesukim. But shuvah limonach, that's not a Pasuk, That's something else. There's no no place in Tanakh where that exists. So shuvah limonach, It sounds like some sort of short poem. It seems to be some sort of very short rhyming poem and try as i might i found and i i do have quite a few resources when it comes to the tefillah i could not find anybody discuss the source of this prayer or this poem uh, i did find the abu Dirhan mentions it other Rishonim mention it they say that and then we say shuva and, and we begin musaf but nobody mentions exactly who wrote it why it was written uh the composition it was it longer like was it originally longer what they originally said Most people say it before Musaf just assuming that it's Pasuk in Tanakh somewhere that they're just unfamiliar with, but it is not a Pasuk in Tanakh somewhere that you're unfamiliar with. It is some sort of poem that we're unfamiliar with, and nobody seems to actually know uh, where it came from. Uh, We know that people said but uh, to add an actual poetic insertion without any explanation is pretty odd. Uh, And it's also very interesting to me that so few of the Rishonin would typically bounce on things like this. Don't give it even the slightest mention. So, it'll remain a mystery. If one day somebody finds a uh, an answer for me, I will be glad to hear it. But I do not know at all the source for this uh, poem. Even even though it's definitely close to 700-800 mm-hmm. years old, no one has has commented at all as to what its source is. Okay, so now let's briefly discuss and introduce the Musaf, and then we'll be ready to go. Or ready to continue uh, next week, I guess. So the institution of Musaf, for most people, if they just think about it, is pretty obvious. On the Shabbat, there was a korban Musaf, an additional sacrifice that was brought in the Bete Mikdash. And therefore, because the typical tefillot follow, the sacrifices of the weekday, right? We have the tamid, tamid sovin, Arba'im, and then our vit parallels the, the, the ketoret on the, the evarim, on the, on the Mizbech. So too, the musaf parallels a korban. Now, this is all from a gemara, in vachot, afchavah So because it's very explicit in the gemara, I figured it'd be worth it to go through it together just to get a sense of exactly how this developed and came to be. So, <clears throat> if you look here in the Gemara in, in Brachot, and I'll just share my screen, it's a very, very well-known Gemara. I think we've gone through it probably one or two times already. But we have to go through it one more time just for the, the, the Musaf component. So we have two opinions here in the Gemara. It's a Tefilot A difference in opinion of the Amaraim. One says that the tefilot, Shachit min arvit, were instituted by the Avot, the patriarchs, and the other holds that they were, I'm sorry, the other holds that they were uh, instituted by later Chachamim, by the chacha, uh, uh, perhaps by the Tanaim, to corresponds to the sacrifices. So Tanakavate der biocberbe derbishuben laive Tanakavate der biocberbe khanila. Very typical uh Talmudic style. We have a riyah to, to this way and to the other. Tanakavate der biocberbe khanina. We have a brita which learns like biocberbe khanina. Abraham tikain tfilat shachit. This brisa says that Abraham instituted the tfilat shachit in marve aschema Abraham booker elama koma shramad sham when in a The pasuk says that Abraham Abraham got up in the morning to pray. The Amidah means prayer. Sheneh Marvi Amod Pinchas veYifalel. That Pinchas got up and he prayed. Yitzchak tiken tefilat Pinchas Sheneh Marvi Yitzayi. Yitzchak las suach Sorry. Lifnot ere veIntiha ela tefila. Yitzchak Avinu got up to to pray by the sadat and and tichah tefilah. Sheneh Mar tefila laani kiatof vniasha mispach Okay. I'm not going to translate everything. My apologies. Yaakov tiken tefilat arvit Yaakov. I uh, instituted our she neemar, veifga'a ba-makom veyalen sham. Ve'en pigia'a el a-tefilah, she neemar, veata'a al hazeh, vealti Fine. So three scriptural proofs that Avram Yitzchak, and Yaakov were the first to institute the daily three prayers, each one respectively. Ve'tanek avatehidav de levi and we learned that K'fishob levi mi'pne ma'amru tefilah shachid ad why do we say Tefillat Hashachar? Sorry, that Shachrit can be prayed by no later than Chazot. Shari Tamid shel Shachar karav v'holech ad Chazot because that that Tana holds that you can only sit, bring the Tamid of the morning in the Beit Hamikdash until Chazot. Rabbi Yehuda almer ad arba shahot shari Tamid shel Shachar karav v'holech ad arba shahot. And this is how he pasken. Rabbi Yehuda holds that you can only say Tefillah until the fourth hour. U'mepnei ma umru Tefillat min Chada. Why do we say min Chada until the evening? Whatever evening means, because the tamid was also brought until the erev. holds, you could do until Why can arvit be prayed all night? Because they used to um, allow the unburnt parts on the mezbeach to burn there all night. Now, finally, here we are by the musaf. Why do we say that we could pray Musaf the entire day? Shabat Korban Musafin Korev Kol because the Musaf of the Shabbat or, Rosh or whatever, was able to be brought the entire day. Or Bihuda Bihuda disagreed, and he said Ad Sheva Shaot. No, it could only be brought until the seventh hour. Shabat Korban Musaf Karev Haleich Ad Sheva Shaot. Veizuhi Min Chagidolav Veishshot the Gemara gets into a little discussion about what what Mincha is, which is a little beyond scope because it's actually kind of t- complicated to explain in, in a short while. Um, let me just go skip a little down here. So the Gemara says, Let's say that all the discussion above seems to be a teyufda against the Yoseb It seems to the, the, we brought proofs previously, I just skipped the proofs, that the that the tefillah was... was written, I'm sorry, was uh, designed by the Avot. Rather, it must have been designed around the Korbanot. So the answer is, Gemara says, no, we could answer even according to Rav Yosef HaKanina. No, we could answer like Rav Yosef that the Avot did institute a Tefilot. V'as korbanot. And the Rabbanan did then be mech, They then found uh, a way to lean this Halakha on the sacrifices, Tefilotem um, Machi. For if you don't say that, filat Musafli Resochinim, Man According to Rabbi Yosef who holds that the Patriarchs were the ones who instituted the Tefilot, who instituted Musaf, must be um, that it must be that Musaf. Everybody agrees was it, it parallels Ela Tefilot Avotiknum Vas Everybody agrees Musaf is done for the Karbanot, and Rabbi Yosef holds that indeed the Avot. Did institute the korbanot, but they leaned it later on. Uh, did sorry institute the 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 tefilot, but they later leaned it on the uh, on the korbanot. And in a way, and this is an area of uh, a lot of study by academics because this inter- this period is really interesting. In a way, it seems that after the destruction of the Second Temple, after the destruction of the of Bayit Shaini, that the activity of Jewish liturgy took a, an extra force. And Rabbi Gamliel Beyavne had the, the authority and responsibility where he had to change uh, the practices of Jewish liturgy and actually institute and formalize and canonize how Jews were going to pray. So this is an area of study, exactly what happened during the time of the Bit of Mikdash. Were people praying in synagogues? Most assume yes. Were they praying as a Chovah? Most assume no. They probably weren't praying as a full obligation. And what exactly, what kind of role did the Tefilot have to play after the Churban? Did people really feel like the Tefilot were a direct replacement for the korbanot, Or, and was that how the Chachamim uh, set, up, set them up? Or, uh, was, were these tefillot being prayed independently of the Beit HaMikdash even before the destruction. So that's an interesting area of study. It's very difficult to know precisely how the, uh, the halachot of tefillah evolved in the time of the early Tanaim, right after the Khurban the Bayit Sheni. We do know, though, that the development of tefillah as we know it today began then. The Yad Shekhanes had much less of an impact on the uh, the prayers as we know them today, as do the Tanaim and the Amoraim. Okay, now just we'll quickly bang, uh, uh, knock out a few other things. The Zman of, of Musaf, as we just mentioned. Over here you see uh, Kol Hayom, right? You can pray Musaf the entire day. So if you're a Hatzalah guy and you, get, you have an onus, definitely do it whenever you can. Um, however, the Gemara does say that there's a pro- approximately a seven and a half hour window, which you shouldn't do it after. So seven and a half hours after after uh, the morning, one should not be saying musaf lechatilah, and one who does it later than that, the mara says in chafchet amudalef that he's nikra that, that that person like that is considered negligent in the in the eyes of the scholar of the of the of the rabbis, and therefore um, uh, it really should not be done unless really you had an unavoidable mitzvah to do, you should not be praying musaf later. There also becomes a uh, Another question as to if you are praying late and you have the opportunity to do mincha and musaf, which one should you do first? And the answer to that is not simple. It depends at what time precisely uh, you're going to be praying. And most assume that you'll do musaf first and then mincha. But if it's much later and you only have a little bit of time to do mincha, you'll do mincha first and then musaf. Uh, you definitely ask your rabbi. If you end up, if you end up uh, tight or uh, you end up on a hot salakol or whatnot, and you couldn't pray musaf. Uh, with the zibor, and you have to pray it later, and you have the, and it's at the same time. Let's say it's two p.m., and you could pray mincha or musaf. Ask your rabbi which one you should pray first. Okay. Now, as far as uh, one last thing about about praying musaf late is the compensatory prayer, right? So we've discussed this before. Tefillat Ashumin. There is this idea that, at least in Judaism and one or two other religions, that we can compensate for our prayers. If one misses a tefillah, one can compensate, and you could do something called a tefillat tashlumin. The poskim uh, the, the, in in Brachot Afafavu Modalef all jump to conclude that, and this is a this is the assumption they all make that while tefillat tashlumin exists for shachrit min hanarvit, there is no tashlumin for musaf, and the reason for this. Is multifold. Well, to begin with, the, the logic behind why you could do a tefillat tashlumin, according to the Rishonim, is that in uh, Zman Bakashat Rachamim over, there is no time when there's no Bakashat Rachamim. So, meaning the doors of mercy are open at all times, and if, Hashem, if a tefillah is a petition, Hashem could accept a tefillah at any time, and therefore, tefillat tashlumin, although it's not perfect, is always an option. But that's for a regular tefillah, like shachit mincha and arvit, which its entire main function is a bakasha is for rachamim, it's a petition for God's mercy. To, you know, besides developing a relationship with Hashem, it is to develop, to, to entreat Hashem for His mercy in some sense. But musaf has a completely different function. Musaf only exists to uh, serve in lieu of the sacrifice. While if you think about it, if you look at that gemara, it says it explicitly that the Musaf must be, uh, a, according to all the shitot, a tefillah that exists explicitly to replace the Korban Musaf in the Beit Mikdash. So, therefore, because if, you can, if the day passes, let's say you're in the Beit HaMikdash, and, uh, I don't know, the Roman army uh, lays a siege, and what happens is you cannot bring the Musaf that day, that Shabbat, that Rosh Chodesh, you can't bring the Musaf, you don't have enough cows or whatever, uh, you don't have enough kfasim, then you can't make it up on Sunday. You cannot make up a Musaf. So because you can't compensate for a Musaf in real life, you cannot compensate for a Tefilat Musaf itself, which is a prayer which replaces the sacrifice. So that's why we do not do a Tefillat Tashlumin for Musaf. Next week, Be'ezah HaShem will continue with the text of Musaf itself. There's two major versions, as I guess the savvy would know. We have a Tikata uh, Shabbat and you have uh, the two major versions of, of the, the Musaf prayers and next week we'll continue with the details of the Musaf Shmon Esrei itself. So thank you everybody for tuning in and we will continue next week.